It's the BNS in 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Your daily download of X92.9's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. For House of Cars. Thursday, February 17th, 2022. I'm Beckler. I'm Shauna. Bit of a longer podcast because we called a friend who lives in Ottawa. Chatted with him uh, in the middle of this podcast. We're going to talk about the feature that clothing had when we were growing up. Our producer, Melissa, makes an appearance with a, a word that she really loves this time. Mm-hmm. And etymology, some style from when we were younger, whether or not it's cool to bring kids to protests like we're seeing. We're going to talk about liquor prices in Canada versus the United States. Your rules for calling shotgun. But first... The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I was listening to the song You Should Probably Leave by Chris Stapleton Oh, yesterday. it's a great song. Great song. Uh, there was one line, though, in the song that stood out to me, and I've got it here for you. Sun on your skin, 6 a.m. I've been watching you sleep. That right there, okay? Just right this one. I've been watching you sleep. <laughs> I've got to be honest with you. The idea of watching somebody sleep is creepy as hell to me. <laughs> a little and, bit, yeah. And this is a lyric that's in tons of songs, and it's in tons of TV shows and movies where the characters will be naked in bed together, and then the guy will just be longingly staring at the lady as she's sleeping. Yeah. And it, like, if I were to wake up, okay, and I saw <laughs> a guy just staring wide-eyed at me, <gasps> I would I would do exactly, I would be jumping out of bed, be like, are you plotting my murder, or what are you doing? I need to get out of here. Yeah, you know, like when the kids were little, McKenna and I would like go into their room, like look in the crib and see the baby sleeping, and then that was super cute. But yeah, that's a little different. It's a little different than okay. two adults. Also, like, you just want to like check up on your baby. You want to make sure that they're good in there. But when there's two adults <laughs> and you're not sleeping, you are just staring at me while I sleep. I do not find that romantic at all. And like you said, it's a common theme it's in so in TV. Common. Here's a, okay. When I was younger, I was a big Dave Matthews Band fan, mm-hmm. and here's a creepy line for you. Like a creep as I watched you asleep. Yeah, you face should. Down in the grass in the park in the middle of a hot afternoon. Okay. Top- See, it, yep. get, it gets worse. Like, already we're like, did you murder this woman, mm-hmm. Dave? Yep. <laughs> I was untied and I thought, how nice it'll be to follow the sweat down your spine. Okay, yep. <laughs> it's a good that song, but man, escalates. that line is unsettling. Holy crap. But it is so bizarre. <laughs> like you see it in all these movies. And again, it's seen as romance, right? Like, it, it they always have this nice, beautiful music. And every time I see it, I'm like, no way. This is how the song continues, by the way. Just wait for it. And honey, I'm so afraid you're gonna wake up and say that you should probably Well, I would, okay? Because you're staring you wide up, at me. And Chris Stapleton is two, two inches from your face with his big beard. <laughs> The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. Okay, when you were in high school, mm-hmm. what were your rules for calling shotgun in the car? Who? How did you decide who got the front seat? Well. No, nobody wanted to sit in the back seat of their friend's car. No. You wanted to be in the front. Mm-hmm. So it was always a battle. And did you have rules? We had a few, not many. Um, of course, you had to yell shotgun mm-hmm. so that everybody could hear. Uh, you had to be outside. Okay. And this, okay. the, the car had to be line of sight. Yes, we had that rule too. Yeah, you it, had to see the vehicle before you could call shotgun. Yep. Um, outside of that, it's just, if it, you couldn't call it if somebody was touching the handle in the front seat already. Okay. Like if nobody had called shotgun and somebody was already, like you couldn't call it then, too it was late. too late. Uh, and it was always only for a one-way 
trip, right? You wouldn't ever be able to determine shotgun for a round trip. Right. It was determined each trip. Each trip. Yeah. Every time. You had to, you know, do it again. Uh, I think that was it. Okay. Those are fairly similar to our rules. Mm -hmm. You had to call shotgun. We also had a challenge system. Okay. So you had to say shotgun, no challenge. Oh. And like you, the car had to be in the, in, in view. Mm -hmm. Couldn't call it when you couldn't see the car. No. Uh, and then if you if the person forgot to say no challenge, uh, there were several challenges. I don't remember what they all were. There was a Jedi Run, where you had to be the first to touch the door handle. Okay. And then there was Ass in Seat, which was like a full-on brawl to see who could get their ass down in the seat first, right. which was... Yep. <laughs> that was fun. That's always a good time. Yeah. Other mm -hmm. than that, I think that was the basis of our rules. Yeah. McKenna said for her growing up, it was always the oldest person. Okay, that's lame. Yeah, there was so, and she was the youngest of her friends and never sat in the front seat because oh, they had seniority crap. on her. Mm, so, no. No, I like a little more of a, yep. of a fair system than that. Definitely. Got to give them a chance to get, to get shotgun. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was always the people, though, who called it way too much. You know, there was like that one person who just like, they would do anything to get shotgun. Yeah, was like just it was always, too important to them. Yeah, I was like, you're a little, this is too far. Okay, like calm down. All right, you don't always get it. You got to switch it up sometimes, okay? It was, our, our last rule was that it was always at the driver's discretion. Hmm. So yeah. if the driver felt that maybe it wasn't being spread around enough, they could say, nah, you, yep. you get in the back, let this guy sit in the front. Or They're if you're just sick of this person, yeah. yeah, get back <laughs> or if there. they have bad taste in music and yeah. you don't want them running the music. Bad so. breath, who knows? You yeah, know, just out. things. Mm -hmm. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. The city of Saskatoon posted on Facebook yesterday asking people to report where the biggest ruts in the road were. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have family in Saskatoon and, and in Regina, too. And apparently it's just it's horrendous. My brother in Regina said they have to take a run at their driveway to get into it because the ruts are so bad. I remember that from when <laughs> I lived there. And it was insane. Like, I remember going down one of the main roads in Regina and the ruts were so bad that I was trying to turn right in an intersection and I couldn't. I tried, and the ruts were so yeah. deep, I just kept going straight. I was like, just kidding. It's like being on a track, right. basically. It the, is. It's the, like the, train The road tracks. will tell you where to go. It is absolutely insane. It's, yeah, they're having a hell of a winter <laughs> east of here this year, I think. We've been very lucky. I know. Very lucky. Well, my boyfriend just sent a picture of it's minus 45 with the wind chill when he woke up this morning in <laughs> Prince Albert. I was like... <laughs> Oh. We're expecting a high of what? Three here? Yeah. Three? Don't tell them that. Five? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's Five. cold here, too. <laughs> uh, but a bunch of residents were posting photos of the ruts in their neighborhoods, and they were asking graders to come out, and everybody was like, look at this one. Like, you need to come and get this one. And I was like, there is a very obvious missed opportunity here. Okay. Ask people to post photos of their ruts and call it rut shaming. Oh, that's good. Hashtag rut that shaming. Is so good. They should do a contest. Oh, I love it. Oh, my. Yeah, that would go viral. Like just, the, the city wouldn't because they're too proper for that, true. right? But, Somebody else should do it. Oh, is that funny? Someone started that hashtag rut shaming. Post rut pictures shaming. of your ruts. Look at this filthy little oh rut in my. front of <laughs> Show us your rut. We'll get her dealt with. V and S in 20 minutes or less. So my parents are in Arizona for the winter. My dad sent me a, a photo from the Costco liquor store near oh, their place. Oh, yeah. The prices were unbelievable, Shauna. I know. Like, I think we have we have like decent alcohol prices here in Alberta compared to other parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Would you agree? Yeah. Like, Ontario is more expensive, isn't it? Yeah, although that gap is getting smaller and smaller. But yeah, Ontario yeah. is a little more than here for sure. Saskatchewan used to be way more too, and then they privatized liquor sales, and now prices have come down a bit. Um, but I, I think like 
when you look across the country, we'd probably be on the lower end, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, definitely. And then globally, Canada's liquor prices are right around average. I found this really interesting link, and I could send it to you. It breaks down like cost comparisons in different countries for all different categories. And I was looking at alcohol. This is interesting, though. The countries with the most expensive alcohol and the least expensive alcohol are both Muslim-majority countries. Hmm. Bahrain has the most expensive booze in the world, and Azerbaijan has the least expensive booze, which doesn't make sense to me. But no. uh, anyway, in this photo my dad sent me, it's two pallets of one is Kirkland rye whiskey and the other is Kirkland spiced rum. Mm-hmm. They're 66s, so 1.75 liters. The whiskey is eighteen ninety nine for the bottle, which I think I pay forty nine ninety nine for here. Probably. And the rum was thirteen ninety nine. Thirteen ninety nine for a sixty six of spice rum. Every time I go to the States, I'm always in awe. Like even in Vegas, like on the strip, when they're jacking up prices, it yeah, is unbelievably cheap. <laughs> the tourist trap of tourist traps. Yeah. You can buy a tall can for like 99 cents. Oh, my God. You're like, holy crap, this is insane. How do they do that? Like, I know we're taxed heavily here on our booze. That's what it is. That that makes, like, yep. that's that's a third the price that we pay here. So uh, you're saying that yes. our booze is three times as expensive all because of taxes? I found this chart, um, and it shows the comparison of the U.S. versus Canada. Uh, we pay, on average, in Canada, $20 in tax per case of beer. The U.S. pays $4. We pay $20, $20 in taxes on a case, case oh of Oh, my beer. God. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Versus four. So that's I was thinking why. There's, like, the manufacturing costs can't be that much different. No. We're, you know, geographically similar countries. The yeah, same like part they of may the be a little cheaper because there's more of a population and mm-hmm. maybe shorter distance to travel, but not, not yeah, three it's, times. It's tax. Oh, my God. We are getting absolutely greased here. Five times higher. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. $20. When you think about that, you Buy a case of beer for what? Cheap case for 35 bucks, and 20 of that is tax. $15 is all you're actually paying. More than half. Yeah. That's, I can't even believe that. That's crazy. Man, if I lived there, I worry, I worry about how hard I'd be on the booze. Cause like, I mean, the big part of the reason, the big reason I don't drink in, or I drink in moderation right now is because of health considerations, Mm. right? I don't want to, I don't want to drink all the time. I don't want to be unhealthy, but a bit of it is the price. Yeah. At least a little bit of is, is the price. Like if it was if we weren't paying twenty bucks tax on a case of beer, I think I'd probably buy a case of beer more often. So well, that's unbelievable. Yeah, I didn't know it was that. Oh, the it's difference not. was that big. Yeah. The BNS and Twenty Minutes or Less podcast. Here's a question for you, Beckler. Mm-hmm. This is one that I've been thinking about a lot as I've been watching the Olympics. You hear lots of stories about the different athletes and how they got there, and of course, there's always stories around these athletes and that kind of thing. Yeah, and on the American broadcast, apparently it's like mostly stories and not a lot of coverage of the athletes. I saw people complaining. They're like, show us the actual competition and not the sad story of how the athlete got there. Which is quite funny, and I know they do that for a lot of filler on the Canadian Canadian TV as well, but again, it's filler, and then you go to the live competition. If it's only stories, (laughs) that's a bit dumb. But if you were an athlete competing... Would you rather be a favorite in the sport or an underdog? Oh, good question. Because I've been thinking about this tons. Again, because they're always talking about the favorites or the underdogs. And then they talk to the athletes and have discussions about that and where they're standing. Are I was like, what would you prefer? What did you settle on? I 100% would rather be an underdog. Would you? Mm Mm-hmm. By a mile. The pressure of being a favorite going into those events, I think, would be way too much for me. And I got Mm. thinking about this even when we were chatting with Sebastian Dutton. The uh, the snowboarder. Yeah. 
who was the reigning gold medal champion for from, Big Air, yeah, for Big Air in snowboarding, and he was talking about how he was like, no, I love that, you know, going in and being the reigning champion. He goes, it's great, it energizes me more, and mm-hmm. I was like, I would be the complete opposite, really. Yeah. See, I perform quite well under pressure. Mm. So, and I think the pressure that would come with being the favorite, I would feed off of. The, yeah. And the other thing I th- I'm thinking of is in the Olympics, the underdogs aren't getting paid. No. The favorite is going to make all the money because, like I've said before, we have the capacity to remember like one name. Of course. From each of these sports. Like name one, name one gymnast. It's probably Simone Biles, right? Yeah. She's making money. Nobody else's. But so, you see how much pressure those have. And so many of those athletes that are the favorites underperform. And I think a big part of it is the pressure that comes with it. Yeah. Whereas if you were an underdog and you could kind of just enjoy your time, like in my mindset would just be, you know, I'm here, right? If you're an underdog, you're just like, I got to this. At this point, I should just enjoy it while I'm here. Like mm-hmm. I'm here. Whereas if you're a favorite, it's like, no, people are expecting me to be on the podium again. Although it's a small window mm-hmm. in the Olympics, right? Because you know, every four years, right? You don't have a ton of, like if you're the gold, if you win a gold medal once, that's that's incredible, yeah. right? You're That's probably the height of your career right there. And if you win two gold medals back-to-back games, that's really something. That's true. Um, but I think, yeah, just because like there just isn't a ton of money in so many of those sports that... Yeah, breaking it down money-wise, you would want to be favorited, but... Outside of that, no huh. chance. No, I'm the other way. I'm like I'm like Seb Toots there. I'm like, give me the pressure. No, let's I'm, rise to it. I just yeah, coming up. I would I would do so well. I would definitely if I was like a hundredth and I didn't have the pressure and I was the underdog, I'd for sure be able to get on the podium that way. VNS in twenty minutes or less. Kids will no longer be la- allowed at these illegal blockades, mm-hmm. uh, or I guess even the the protest in Ottawa. And this is obviously you know in response to the convoy. And I've, I was reading that, and I was like, is that a little redundant? Because they've already made it illegal to participate in the protest. I know. So it's like, you you cannot bring kids to this protest that you can also not be at. Yeah, or it's it, almost like they're doubling down to show yeah. the severity of bringing a kid. I'm not sure, but I found that odd as well. Unless it gives them the ability to lay extra charges against people who won't Maybe. cooperate. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Um, I think you and I, years ago, Shauna, talked about the idea of bringing kids to protests. We did. Uh, and I think at the time, we both felt that it was okay to expose children to political protest, but not to, like, force your beliefs upon them. Is that still kind of where you stand on that? Definitely. I, th- I think, I mean, if if the kid knows and is old enough to understand, yeah, what they're protesting and want to be part of it, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But there are some instances of parents with kids who clearly would have no idea what's going on, making their children hold signs with very strong political beliefs on them. And that's kind of where I'm like, that that's not fair, I don't think. Yeah, I like, completely agree with you there. Before the kids understand what they're saying, especially in the age of social media, where there could now be a photograph of this kid who has no idea what the sign says, no idea what they're getting involved with, and now that is going to be stuck with them. Yep. And depending on the cause and how you feel about it, sometimes it's like really celebrated. I'd be yeah. like, there, there's an article, I think I saw it was like, you know, 20 powerful photos of kids at these protests or whatever. And I was like, no, no, no. Like the kid doesn't even really know what's going on if they're young enough. Right. Yeah. If you, maybe they were told they'd get ice cream if they attended. Like, and that's, I don't, yeah, that's where it scares me. Cause yeah. Yeah, that's not fair. I think like to take your kid and participate in a, a peaceful March or something and to show them that like, yeah, this is part of what's great about being in this country is that you are allowed to go out and you are allowed to demonstrate. If yes. You, you say how you feel about speak up if you don't think things are right. 
but yeah, to like scrawl something on a sign and put it in your kid's hands, like before the kid really knows what it even says. Yeah. And I'd, yeah. it gets even worse now too. I mean, like during these blockades, we saw like the, the chain of kids across the, like holding hands across the ambassador bridge. Was it? Oh yeah. It's like, that's come on, man. That's ridiculous. Like don't, I know. Don't and again, as you that. said, like nothing against exposing kids to that because, yeah, the right to protest and, and peacefully march and everything else, that's great. But, yeah, I really struggle when you can clearly see that the kid that's being like displayed here is somebody who, yeah, what if 20 years down the line that picture resurfaces and they're like, I did not believe in that cause at all. But now <laughs> there's this, dragged to it. There's this even... photo. Yeah. It's the same as like a parent who will say, oh, you know, my, my young kid said something very profound about a a big political issue and it's like no they didn't they don't know what's going on they're probably trying to please you true the very at the very least right so they were reading a headline come on if they can <laughs> even read yet yeah the bns and 20 minutes or less podcast just want to read a bit of pushback to that conversation got a tweet from someone who said taking a kid to a protest is no different than taking a kid to church parents influence and indoctrinate their kids it's parenting based on your belief system Hmm. Interesting point. And I said, well, I think there are many of us who aren't crazy about forcing religious beliefs on kids either. And I would count myself among those. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that makes it okay. I mean, yes, it does certainly happen. Uh, We also got a message from a trucker who wasn't too pleased with that. and said, holy crap, that was quite the words you guys just spoke there. It's a movement to be free. Every living Canadian of any age is part of that. Thousands of families can't afford to feed those kids because of this. Have you ever been faced with the question? I was wondering how you were going to feed your kids at supper time. Literally, no, you haven't. Very unlikely. You're still lucky enough to have a job and be able to provide. And Shauna, you don't have kids. Not that your opinion doesn't matter, but this is something you need to experience before you can give an opinion on it. Having kids, I mean, what's it like to look at their face and wonder how you're going to pay for their food for the next meal or even get them into school? And we were going to try to chat with this guy on the phone, but he was he, he was busy with work. Um, your thoughts, Shauna? Um, I, well, for me, it's... Again, there's a difference between bringing your kid to a protest when they're aware of it and not. I think just putting kids in that situation when they are completely unaware of what's going on is where I take issue with it. You know, the religion thing is a good point, though. You're right. Like, bringing your kids into a belief system, even the way you, I suppose, you know, discipline your kids is a certain belief system. Like, really, everything... Mm -hmm. I think, like, you know, this specific law that we're talking about has to do with keeping kids out of harm's way in case these protests do get violent, in case yeah. force is used to clear them out, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Um, I think the message from this trucker here, I didn't get his name, but I think it uh, kind of misses the point. Like, he was talking specifically about the goals of the protest, and yes. that, that isn't what we were really commenting on. We're commenting on, you know, this the presence of, of children at certain protests, and... I mean, I guess every protest has the potential to get violence. You got yeah. a bunch of people together, and they're all really cranked up. So it, it is, it is kind of a gray area. You know, when you talked about, you know, how you're going to feed your kids and get them to school. Well, I mean, the kids who have been living at this protest for the last two weeks haven't been going to school, have they? No. So. And honestly, one of the big things that I consider is the photos and stuff that will go with it. Again, for these kids, because I mean, we've even talked about this when it comes to parents just posting photos of, of their mm-hmm. kids and what that could mean for the future. And having, again, you, you know, you can defend that and be like, well, no, I I wasn't part of this. Like, this wasn't my belief. It was my parents. But still, like, that's the kind of stuff that will stick around for a long time. 
Friend of the show, William, is on the phone. Now, William, we've mentioned before, William is the unofficial statistician of this podcast. And, William, you're here for two reasons. One, we're going to talk about, because uh, you live in Ottawa, we're going to talk about your perspective on the protests here because you've been following it very closely. Uh, but also, you think you've gotten to the bottom of why it appears that I've hosted so many more solo podcasts than Shauna? Yeah, so uh, what I do is there's a website I go to that grabs the last, uh, I think about 200 podcasts through the RSS feed. And what I do is I basically just copy and paste that into a notepad++, like a little text document. I can remove anything I don't need to or quickly sum it up, throw it into a spreadsheet. So when I'm grabbing like who hosts which episode, I basically go through and I scan to see uh, that ampersand, that little and sign. Mm. If I see it, I know both of you do. If I don't, one of you has. So I got to figure out like Beckler discusses yada yada or Shauna discusses yada yada. I'm like, oh, that's an S or that's a B. So in any in any instance where we accidentally typed Beckler and Shauna, the full word, it would appear that just I hosted that. Yeah. So if it says Beckler and Shauna, you know, A and D instead of the upper side, it shows uh, that um, makes sense. both of you. Or sometimes it could be a little boo-boo where one of you could be on vacation, but it still says Beckler and Shauna discuss right. whatever. Uh, so yeah, oh. it's, it's not like I go through every single individual one and see who hosts or what audio comes through. It's it's basically just going by the metadata, the information. I'm glad that it's more efficient than you having to go over individually because <laughs> it's a lot of I've work. Never, yeah, I've, it, I've listened to them all once through every single, like obviously every day I listen to it. I don't think I have the energy to do, God, what was it, like 740 hours? Yeah, no. 18 days about. So. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I'm glad you have a little more of a life than that. That's, that's, that's encouraging. <laughs> What's, what is your background, William? Like, I, I think I probably asked you this once, but how are you so good at this? Yeah, uh, so I do GIS stuff for the government. Um, the best way I can describe it is nerdy computer stuff. I was going to say, uh, uh, for dumb people, what does GIS stand for? <laughs> Geographic Information System. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, I, there's actually a fairly informative kids book uh, out there. Uh, I'll have to find it later, but I'll whenever people do ask, like, what is that? I direct them to this book and it's like, oh, it's, that's what it is. That's me. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's informative as hell. It's a great resource. There are so many occupations that need the kids' book explanation of what it actually yeah. is. Yeah, that's actually yeah, genius. exactly. Yeah. Um, reason number two we have you on here is uh, you, you live in Ottawa now. How long have you been living in Ottawa? Uh, I moved here two and a half, three years ago, but I did live in Ottawa years prior going to school and living here occasionally. Ever since this um, Freedom Convoy hit Ottawa, I have been just glued to the city council meetings and question period and like really, really getting into a lot of well, politics, which I've you know, occasionally listened to, but kind of brushed it off. But, yeah, it's been like super, super glued into it. Um, there was a six-hour city council meeting yesterday, and it was so goddamn spicy. It was phenomenal. <laughs> oh, I can't imagine. So, like, what are, what are you seeing that maybe isn't showing up on the news? Well, I know I'm just listening to your podcast from yesterday, but you did bring up the Emergencies Act. And yeah, I definitely do agree where it almost does seem like a sledgehammer is being used to destroy peanut. But when, but if you talk to people in Ottawa, like we have felt completely abandoned from the Ottawa Police Services. Like they are patrolling the area, but they are doing nothing in terms of 
the noise violations or uh, creating space zones for these people. People are getting harassed, going to the cops, and there's nothing they will do or can do about it. So for Ottawa residents, the Emergency Act is another way for like the government to basically provide resources, obviously not military. That's something they made very clear to basically like assist to hand out tickets to remove these people like also something you don't hasn't been discussed as much as um because this is a downtown core there's lots of tall buildings if you honk a horn that echoes a lot and when you're looking at the decibel factor it's not just you know 92 oh sorry 100 to 110 decibels is just a 10 decibel difference it's logarithmic yeah. which means it's 10 times more powerful you're hitting horns that sound is echoing that's in your, like that's getting into people's apartments people can't sleep kids can't sleep diesel exhaust the you old know, things are idling it's tall buildings you can't get a lot of crosswinds that permeates places uh, where people are living. That's a smell that doesn't go away. There have been concerts, like full-on concerts they just set up. There's uh, yeah, food stands all over the place, which, Jesus Christ, from a, someone who's worked in the food hospitality industry, that is disgusting. <laughs> so it's so for us, like the Emergency Act is just hopefully a way that these people can actually you know, be ticketed or moved or done something with like uh, you also discussed the mayor talked to the protesters um to move their vehicles some did a lot of them didn't and again the mayor taking it on to himself to talk to these people that had came back hard on him yesterday that he basically completely bypassed the council and took this on himself well, and your police chief has resigned. Yeah. And that's been another factor, yeah. And now the city council was talking about getting rid of the um, chair as well? Yeah, so there's or a chair of three did. people. Yeah, there's a chair of three people, and they're trying to force them out. The third one basically resigned from that chair position last night, but and that was like a massive... As soon as the meeting started, that came up, and it basically led to a two to three hour like free-for-all of the counselors basically discussing their displeasure and taking breaks in between like it started off hard and that was all about the mayor who jim watson is in his final term he's not seeking re-election yeah some people were calling for him to resign some of the other counselors right like that's... yeah it is like and as i said like it was six hours like it started at four it didn't oh god no it started at five it didn't it stopped at 11 o'clock um and yeah it was just this entire thing of just like watching all these counselors kind of going free for all after the mayor and the former police chief and just how there's no resources for those people living in downtown ottawa how far are you from the, the site of the protests uh it's about a 20 minute drive away um in Lahama you- called Barhaven, so it's a little bit south of ottawa uh, i've been down there once not even downtown it's a there was a counter-protest last Saturday called the Battle of Billings Bridge. It was literally just a bunch of people blocking a road near Billings Bridge, preventing the convoy. So, yeah, I, I popped down there. I stood around, with a, I stood around and, you know, did my counter-protest, my uh, diplo- diplomatic due diligence. So, like, I do live far enough away. We have my partner, my girlfriend and I, we have opened up the invitation to friends and family who live downtown. Like, look, if you guys need to get away, like we've got spare beds here. Just come on down, sleep, spend a few days, kind of refresh yourself. Yeah. So. Well, I, I really feel for the people who are living through it down there. I mean, even if I 
ultimately support the, the goal of the protest and these mandates. I, I don't agree with how it's it's played out in, in many ways. So No, I, I do as well. Like, I definitely support people's way of protesting. You want us to protest? Absolutely. Go right ahead. That's your right. Um, the mandates, I do want them gone, but because we do have a high vaccination rate, I want them gone. But it's just the message, how they went about it. I'm like, kind of shaking my head going like... There could have been so many better, different ways to get sympathy yeah. know, people on your side than what you're doing right now. And the more and more I'm hearing about this, they're just losing whatever uh, public trust or sympathy they've had for this. And yeah, we'll see how the next uh, few days shape up. Yeah. Well, great chat with you, William. Thanks for making time for us this morning, man. Thanks, William. Yeah. And thanks yeah, for thanks all for your work call. on the podcast stats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just keep them coming. I'll hopefully update it more than once every two years or whatever it has since the last one. Again, we understand you have other important things to do as well. That's so right. it's totally fine, William. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. All right. Thanks for the call again. DNS in 20 minutes or less. You love your car. Bet you'd love lower interest and lower payments, too. Refinance your auto loan with House of Cars and love the freedom of having more money in your pocket. Visit houseofcarscalgary.com. The BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I was wearing a backpack the other day and it got me thinking, do you remember when it was cool to wear your backpack on one shoulder? Oh, yeah. It was not cool to wear your backpack on two shoulders. You had to take the one shoulder off, and that's how you were supposed to wear it. Just the one shoulder look. That was where you were supposed to do. That was what you were doing with your backpack. I still do that if I'm not going a, a great distance. Mm-hmm. Just out of convenience. Which is fair if it is just out of convenience. But, like, I used to do that with, you know, the, the math textbooks in there. And when it was <laughs> outrageously heavy. But instead of, you know, trying to balance out the weight, it was, no, not cool to do two shoulders. So you'd just still kind of hanging on the one shoulder. It would be dragging you down. <laughs> Struggle to look cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> Reminds me of that clip from The Simpsons. Hey, kid, stop wearing your backpack over one shoulder. We invented that. Copycat. Uh, you copied us. Step over this line and say that. I'll kick your butt. Seriously. Not Nintendo. What a, what a dumb trend, though, when you look back. Like, my, my spine is now slightly curved, and I was like, I bet you it's part of that. Like, we're going to deal with back issues because that was the cool way to, to carry around and lug around everything. Sometimes the kids come out of school, bow school, wearing the, the pack on the front in the backpack the other way around like a, like a tourist who's afraid they're going to get pickpocketed. At least that's practical. <laughs> Maybe kids have gotten smarter and they're like, well, if you put at least both shoulders forward like that, then you're still balancing like the weight. Front pack? I don't know. It feels like that'd be worse. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's straightening mm-hmm. it out. Maybe they do, you know, they rotate. You do back one time and then front the other just to balance out that spine. You're right. The spine, the, the back issues that our generation has from trying to look cool. Oh, my God. Chiropractors are like, yeah, I've seen this before. Yeah. When were you born? Oh, come along. Yeah. We We've got some work One to do. backpack strap, <laughs> eh? BNS in 20 minutes or less. Etymology with Shauna. This week I have been passing along some of the etymology requests I've gotten from my kids. Yeah. There was a, they asked like three different times, asked, hey, what? Do, why do we say this? And I was like, I don't know, I'll ask Shauna. She seems to be better at finding this stuff out than me. That's a good call. Um, so Bo was asking why it's called perfume for girls, but cologne for boys. I was like, that's a great question. I, I've never known the answer to that myself. Yeah. Uh, so perfume is French, and it just means fumes from a burning substance. Par means forward, and fume or fume means smoke in French. So that makes sense. Okay. About that. Pretty straightforward. Uh, cologne was invented by an Italian barber in the German city of Cologne. So I it was named that. after that city. Um, and it's it's kind of funny because the very first scent that was invented, the very first thing that he made was called Aqua Admirabilis. 
admirabilis. I'm sure that I don't know how to say that, to be honest with you, but it translates to admirable water. That's some admirable water you got going on So that on was there. the very first scent name, and I guess Napoleon loved it, and he <laughs> used to wear it. It's a big endorsement. And it's actually still produced to this day. It's the world's oldest scent. Admirable Aqua water. Admirably. Aqua admirably would be how you'd say that. Yeah. Well, now I need to smell it. I know. I need to know what Napoleon smelled like. Well, that's it. I was thinking that. And you read the de- like the definition of it and just, I think, kind of citrusy and you'd imagine kind of an old school scent. Quite simple would be what it would smell like. But Is there any reason why there is a, like a, there tends to be a gender split on the words that we use? I, didn't, I couldn't find a reason. Not really? No. No, it was just... But the one developed in Cologne, Germany was specifically for men? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now you can buy it and it's, it's a unisex oh. scent now so we can all smell like napoleon yeah we can all girls and guys all just take a <laughs> whiff and that's what napoleon was like that i'm sure over an enormous amount of bo but yeah, yeah. i don't think anything smelled that great back i don't then, think so, so. No, no no so just add <laughs> mix a little bo into that and you can really feel napoleon etymology with shauna vns in 20 minutes or less our producer melissa is in studio as well hey melissa hi um, the last time you were on, we were talking about a tweet that you had made where you had said that the worst word, in your opinion, was tenders. It is. Didn't like the word tenders. I stand by it. Now you're back with another word opinion. What did you say is the best word? You know it's escaping me. <laughs> now that the mic's in front of my face. What was my best word, Beckler? You said it was throbbing. Oh, yeah. And I read that, and I was like, heavens, me? We're going to have to sit this girl down and have a talk tomorrow. To be fair, it, it, she's not talking about the meaning of the word, per se. It's more the word itself, I think. It's isn't hilarious. It? Like, throbbing is kind of nice to come out of your mouth. So throbbing. I can give you the story behind this. Please. Okay, please. I watched a TikTok video where this girl said she was drinking so much Diet Coke that it was throbbing through her veins, and I was cackling for like 25 <laughs> minutes about that. So About, okay. I don't think everyone's first thought went to Diet Coke. No. When they hear the word throbbing. No. Well, it's a good means, word, though. I mean, tenders and throbbing are two very suggestive words. Like, you just like these suggestive words, it seems. Well, she doesn't or like hates tenders. Them. Yeah. One, you're yeah. very polarizing on them, I suppose. I can't really give you the reason why one <laughs> is full of hate and the other one I love, but... I th- I'll give you this. Throbbing has a good mouth feel. That's what I mean, right? Oh, Saying it. Throbbing. Geez. That's, that's a sentence I should have said. <laughs> I should not have said that sentence. I, well, I was about to say it feels good in your mouth right before, and I, <laughs> I purposely avoided saying it for this, and you just went for it. So. Guys, it's not Valentine's Day. Throbbing. Throbbing. Now, my, my favorite word, Soft I think, horror. is bosom. Oh, man. Bosom. And not even because of the meaning, just it's got, it just it's feels... It's a good mouth feel again. Bosom. bosom. Yep. I like that one, too. I get it. It's the it's the double it's the double B in throbbing, like, mm. and then the, the S's in bosom. Like, it's a yeah. good mouth feels, both of them. I agree with you. If there was only one B in throbbing, the pronunciation probably wouldn't change. No. But it wouldn't feel wouldn't as be good. as effective. No. no, you picture the two Bs. They, they're they like bosoms, right? Throbbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> here. VNS in 20 minutes or less. Do you remember having weed pockets in your clothing growing up, Beckler? <laughs> I remember those pockets. I don't think any of my clothing did. I don't think I was wearing okay. the brands that had that sort of thing. I was. But uh, basically everything out of West 49 when you wanted to be a skater girl <laughs> picking up boys at the skate park. Everything seemed to have those pockets. It was like along all the seams, you know, there'd be this little hidden zipper and you could just stash something in there. There were skater shoes, I remember. I th- was yeah. it? Yeah. 
Um, I think it was Chad Muska. It was the Muskas, I think. Muskas, yep. That had the shoes with the big fat tongue. I think that had the zipper. Well, because the shoes were they were so chunky, they could have all the the shoe could have been full of weed. They were so chunky. I know. I'm shocked that they only did the tongue, really, because you're right. It could have been all kinds of stash pockets on those shoes. Yeah, it was Chad Muska's shoes. Yeah, there you go. Had that too. I remember just everything seemed to have those pockets. It was quite the novelty back then. We were stashing weed back in the early 2000s. We sure were. I mean, I wasn't. But. Of course, that was when it was illegal. I wasn't either, but my clothes sure had the pockets. <laughs> Did, is there any like novelty like that in in current clothing? I like, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm, I'm not up is, with what the what the kids. I haven't been in West Forty Nine for a while to see what the kids are wearing. But. Went through a, a phase there where McKenna bought all of my clothes at West Forty Nine. That's pretty it became funny. kind of like a running joke with us. We'd walk no past the mall. Pockets, eh? Yeah, <laughs> she'd be like, "Do you want to stop in there?" <laughs> I was like, "I don't know where you got it in your mind that." A lot of it was nice stuff, but... It's true. Very <laughs> skater-oriented, though, yeah. And I... No, I'm not stashing a lot on me these days. Mm. No, I'm, I'm going to go to... I'm going to go... That's what I... Maybe that's what I'll do today. I'm going to go wander through and see what what kind of cool new things, functions, hidden things that skater stuff has. Hey, do you have anything with a stash pocket? They're going to be like, who's this old lady? Yeah, who's like, Ma'am, are you not a grandma? <laughs> the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. I was watching Seinfeld yesterday, and I heard this phrase, and this phrase always cracks me up. Mm. Uh, it was Jerry's mom who used it on the show. And I'll sometimes hear older people, especially like older people from smaller towns, use it. And it's when they're referring to two people who are dating, they'll say they're going together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember, yes, yeah, so, was it McKenna's mom? Yes. Yes. I re- yeah. McKenna's mom says that, That's too. Really she was funny. telling me about when she started dating McKenna's dad, and she was like, and yeah, we started going together in grade 11, or yeah. we've been going since grade 11. That is like, really funny. They won't say going out. Nope. Or dating. Nope. And like nobody our age would ever say, are you guys going together? No. Going where? It is funny because even going out, like, and that was a phrase that I used to use, but that's dumb too. Like, you're going out. Okay, cool. That doesn't really say much, (laughs) you know? Like, oh, you're good? Mm hmm. Wait, you're like going outside or you're, or you go, oh, you're dating. Okay, yeah. Is it not quite dating? Is that what it is? Yeah. I feel like it's just people's non committal way of saying things, right? right. You want to acknowledge that there is some sort of relationship, but it's not maybe exclusive yet, so you're not dating? Yeah. You're not boyfriend and girlfriend? Yeah, those are big terms. You don't want to use those if you don't have to. So instead, just going out or going together. Going together going is so together. funny. We've been, going, we've been going since grade 11, and I'm like, that sounds like something... That sounds dirty. Totally different. Wow, that's a long time. We've been going the hell out of a each other stamina. since stamina. <laughs> You've been listening to the BNS and 20 Minutes or Less podcast. For House of Cars. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at x929.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have BNS in 20 minutes or less downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later.